Section 6 of David and His Friends. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Twyla Johnson. David and His Friends. A Series of Revival Sermons by Louis Albert Banks. Section 6 the armor-bearer who backed jonathan and his armor-bearer said unto him do all that is in thine heart turn thee behold i am with thee according to thy heart first samuel fourteen seven jonathan was a brave and generous leader of men no man in the old testament stands better in his personal character he lived in a dark and stormy time but in all the great essentials he was a noble and splendid man we think of him so frequently in connection with his rare and beautiful friendship with david that we do not give the full emphasis which is deserved to the strength and courage which were also his in large measure in the picture we are to study we see jonathan tired of inaction and longing to be against the enemy suddenly determined to do a little skirmishing on his own account and yet there was a profoundly religious spirit controlling the impulse which led him to make the attempt jonathan devoutly believed that god was able to work by the few as well as by the many and that if he went bravely and yet prudently in the strength of god he would enable him to turn the enemy into confusion and to be the cause of victory on the side of israel he made known his purpose to his armor-bearer and no doubt awaited with interest the attitude which that young man would take in the matter he does not command him in an arbitrary way to come and follow him but with the spirit of a comrade the words which one brave man would say to another in a trying emergency he says come and let us go over to the philistines garrison that is on the other side it may be that the lord will work for us for there is no restraint to the lord to save by many or by few then the armor-bearer replied with a warm-hearted enthusiasm and fidelity that must have made jonathan's generous blood tingle do all that is in thine heart turn thee behold i am with thee according to thy heart who could not win victories backed by such armor-bearers as that go back through history and you will see that the men who have done the greatest work in the world are the men who have been backed by faithful helpers with staunch and loyal hearts moses was chosen to lead israel out of egypt but god gave him miriam and aaron for armor-bearers joshua became the great soldier and leader of his nation but what a splendid armor-bearer he had in caleb daniel stands out gloriously against the dark background of wicked babylon but the three brave hebrew boys that went into the fiery furnace rather than betray their faith in god were worthy armor-bearers to such a leader 
Paul shines forth from Ephesus and Rome and Athens and Corinth as the great leader and evangelist, but who can ever tell how much Silas and Barnabas and Timothy meant to the great apostle as armor-bearers to encourage and sustain him? Peter at Pentecost could never have won alone that glorious victory through which three thousand souls were converted in a single day. No, indeed, it was no lonely-hearted man's battle that was fought on Pentecost. It was the battle of a glowing, glorious leader, whose heart was warm not only with the presence of the Holy Ghost, but with the conscious sympathy of a hundred and twenty men and women whose hearts had been touched by God and who, with prayer and testimony and persuasion, were backing up every word that Peter said in behalf of Jesus Christ. Give me a hundred and twenty such armor-bearers here and now in Cleveland, men and women who have tarried before the mercy seat until their countenances reflect the divine presence, until their silence is broken, in glad testimony for jesus until their hearts are hot with longing to see sinners saved so that they will go about at the cost of everything else to win men to christ and god will show us wondrous things in these days oh brothers and sisters god has not changed jesus christ is the same today as yesterday heaven's mercy is not dried up let us throw ourselves with loyal hearts into the work of saving men and god will give us sheaves to bring home with rejoicing i do not think there could be a more appropriate theme for our discussion this morning with reference to the revival meetings in which we are now engaged of course god works through leaders I do not wish for one moment to shirk my responsibility or my duty with reference to a revival. I very well know that no church can have great spiritual victories unless it shall be honestly led by the pastor. God knows my heart. I would rather fail at any other point in any other department of my life work than fail to be, through his grace assisting me, an honest spiritual leader of this church. And I pray God above all things else that he will give me the courage and the patience and the gentleness and the humility and the tireless earnestness to lead you up to the full measure of power with which God may, through Jesus Christ, clothe my life. I honestly feel that there is no price in self-denial or self-surrender that I am not willing to make, that I may be the man whom God can bless and use in the salvation of immortal souls. But feeling in this way, I also feel just as certainly that I cannot win in this church and in this city many souls to Christ unless the men and women of this church shall be loyal and faithful armor-bearers who when they are called as at this time 
to deny themselves and at some cost to their own ease shall say with earnestness and enthusiasm as did this brave young armor-bearer of jonathan do all that is in thine heart i am with thee according to thy heart there are many ways in which the individual members of a church may be helpful armor-bearers to the pastor in a time like this the first is in their attitude to god and to their fellow christians in relation to the meetings sincere and earnest prayer which takes possession of the heart and life must help to sustain the pastor in leading a campaign for the saving of souls many a christian man or woman old or feeble and not able to come to the meetings has made the pastor feel that that sick chamber was a mighty arsenal as splendid a helper to him as any home in the church let a pastor feel that the people are praying for him in tenderness and sympathy and he is mightily strengthened do you think that peter could have won that victory on the day of pentecost if the one hundred and twenty had been going around criticizing him or had been making outside engagements to take away their interest from the meeting or had pleaded that they were so busy with other things that they could not give earnest heed to that day of special service ah you know very well that the record of pentecost could never have been written with such a background and many a pastor has gone into a revival campaign with a spirit as brave a heart as loyal to christ and a soul as earnest to save men as did peter and has come out of it with a broken heart defeated because he lacked the loyal and united and prayerful support of those who ought to have been his armor-bearers for christ's sake so both your attitude to god and your attitude toward your fellow church members are of the most serious importance do you talk about the meetings with sympathy do you pray to god in secret and in public that salvation may come to the people and that you may help to bring it about ah then you are an armor-bearer indeed revivals never come easily a revival of religion is a campaign waged against the world and the flesh and the devil every liquor saloon in this city is dead set against a revival of religion every gambling hell in this city is against a revival of religion every man or woman or institution that preys upon young men or young women through their vices and sins and follies must lose by a revival of religion and they fight it with all the demon-like energy of hell not only are these against it but the greed for money and the love of ease and self-indulgence in church members as well as in outsiders are all against a revival of religion hence a real genuine revival of religion always comes hard 
it cannot come at all save through the crucifixion of greed and ease and self-indulgence and indifference and sin of every kind it cannot come at all unless there be some men and women like jonathan and his armor-bearer who for christ's sake and for the sake of the souls of sinning men and women will take their lives in their hands and will die rather than that god's cause should not advance among the people and lost sinners be saved are you willing to be that kind of an armor-bearer but it is not enough that you be right toward god right in your sympathies toward your pastor and right in your attitude toward your fellow church members in regard to this earnest campaign for soul-saving if you are to be a real armor-bearer you too must handle the sword of the spirit you must not wait for the pastor to hunt out individuals one by one and win them to christ you must be faithful in your own place and with self-denial and earnestness seek to win souls yourself but you say i am so diffident that i do not feel that i can talk well enough to present christ perhaps you will do it all the better because you are diffident not trusting much in yourself you will ask god's help and you will go to seek your friend in humility and prayer and god will not fail you i was reading the other day the story of the sunday-school teacher who persuaded moody to give his heart to christ i suppose there is not a sunday-school teacher here more diffident and trembling about such matters than he was he says there came a day when i determined to speak to moody about christ and about his soul i started down to holton's shoe store when i was nearly there i began to wonder whether i ought to go just then during business hours and i thought maybe my mission might so embarrass the boy that when i went away the other clerks might ask who i was and when they learned might taunt moody and ask him if i was trying to make a good boy out of him while i was pondering over it all i passed the store without noticing it then when i found that i had gone by the door i determined to make a dash for it and have it over at once i found moody in the back part of the store wrapping up shoes in paper and putting them on shelves i went up to him and put my hand on his shoulder and as i leaned over i put my foot on a shoe-box i feel that i made a very weak plea for christ i don't know just what words i used nor could mr moody tell i simply told him of christ's love for him and the love that christ wanted in return that was all there was of it it seemed the young man was just ready for the light that then broke upon him and there in the back of that store in boston the future great evangelist gave himself and his life to christ i am sure there are men who hear me to-day who might repeat that scene in all its essential parts to-morrow and win some acquaintance to christ by a little earnest tactful prayerful work done in jesus name there are many souls who are waiting for but a touch of influence from the outside to turn the balances on the side of righteousness 
Reverend Ford C. Ottman tells that once he was holding a series of meetings and noticed that up in the gallery at his right, night after night, sat a gray-haired old man. He was evidently under deep conviction, but he would never rise when the invitation was given. One night he pointed him out to a Christian woman and said to her, Tomorrow night I want you to sit near him, and when the invitation is given, ask him to rise. She protested and declared that she could never do it, but he insisted, and the next night she took her seat just behind the old man. When the invitation was given, he sat still as before. Presently Mr. Ottman saw the lady move forward and say something to him. In a moment more the old man rose to his feet. Not a night passes in this present campaign for souls in this church, but that people who are convicted by God's Spirit stifle their convictions and remain inactive. Who would come to the altar and make a public confession of Christ if the Christian man or woman in the pew next to them would only say, the sympathetic or persuasive word, and what joy it would bring to you if you were to thus feel yourself a real armor-bearer in Christ's work. At the close of a meeting once, a young man with a very eager face came to the minister and said, I never have led a soul to Jesus yet. How can I do it? The minister said, Do you see that man just going out? He is concerned. Go and speak to him. He fairly ran down the aisle after that man, overtook him in the vestibule, brought him back, and they sat down in a pew together. After a while, they came up the aisle to the altar, where the pastor was still standing. Both faces were shining, and the young Christian who had done his first work for the Lord said, Praise the Lord! This man has given his heart to God, and this is the first soul I have ever brought to Jesus. In every meeting, there are cases like this, and every night I have the heartbreak of knowing that men and women are going away unsaved because the ability which is sitting silent beside them is not exercised to save them. Use your head to invent ways by which you can help win men to Christ. A young man who was a Christian brought an unconverted friend to a revival meeting. The service was a very solemn one, and the young man was very impressed, but came to no decision. At the close of the meeting, the two young fellows went out together. The young Christian was greatly concerned for his friend and concluded that the best thing to do was to intercept the preacher on his way home and introduce his friend. His intention remained unsuspected. He induced the man to walk around the block. At the street corner they met the preacher, and he was introduced. The unconverted young man turned to his companion and said indignantly, I believe you brought me around here on purpose to meet this man. Well, said the minister, suppose he did. I am not a bear. That may be, he replied, but I didn't want to meet you. The minister said, neither do you want to meet God, but some day you will have to. They conversed for some time longer, 
and when they parted he had surrendered to god the next sunday he united with the church such armor-bearers as that young man will gladden the heart and inspire the courage of any christian leader oh brothers and sisters we would find a way if we were only truly in earnest is not the real difficulty in the fact that there are so many other things that you care more about than you do about saving men is it not true that the reason you are not more helpful in the church is that you care more about making money you care more about getting on in politics you care more about your social pleasures you care more for your parties and your dinners you care more about the success of your other plans and purposes than you do about standing well with god it is more to you to stand well with some influential people you know than it is to cheer the heart of jesus christ and see the joy on the face of a man who has been saved from his sins god knows i do not speak this in anger neither do i speak it in a fault-finding way the subject is just too awfully serious it is too heartbreaking for any such feeling as that but i speak it out of the depth of my conviction that it is the real truth if we were earnest enough we would find a way to persuade the unconverted men and women and children we know to come to christ and be saved there are hundreds who are being kept from the revival meetings by insignificant excuses that would vanish in thin air and you would not miss one meeting this week if you were only sufficiently in earnest it seems terrible when the human heart is capable of such marvelous things in the way of loyalty and zeal and enthusiasm that we who profess the name of jesus christ and have been redeemed by his precious blood should be so lacking here what glorious deeds have been done through the chivalric earnestness of human souls a young soldier was shot down near the outskirts of the battle of manassas he had been shot through by a bullet of the enemy and had dropped from his horse but was hanging by the horn of the saddle waiting to die when the captain discovered his condition and fate he said oh my boy i'm afraid they have done for you yes said the lad and then with his dying energy he exclaimed they've done for me but my father's there yet our army's there yet see our flags there yet and lifting himself with heroic effort he struggled once more to say as he fell on his face in death and liberty is there yet o soldiers of jesus christ if we will give ourselves with a zeal and a devotion like that to christ and to the saving of his lost brothers and sisters we shall win multitudes to him end of section six